Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. If you're loving this podcast, we invite you to go deeper and partner with us in our work by joining the Gravity Commons, our online community of practice for connecting and learning together. As a member of the Gravity Commons, you get access to live podcast recordings with upcoming guests, as well as other opportunities to connect and learn together with us in real time. Including learning labs, member meetups, discussion boards, online courses, and our practitioner podcast. Go to gravityleadership.com slash commons to find out more. See you in the commons. Hey, you guys remember that diet program, Jenny Craig? Yeah. Uh, I've heard of it. I don't have you ever, don't, have you ever tried Jenny a Craig? I have of intimate knowledge of it, but <laughs> I've heard of it. I've heard of that diet program. Um, my wife uh, was a, she was a high school cheerleader and her cheerleading coach's sister um, was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sharon tells the story of walking in and she was about 22, the sister, walks into the bathroom and is looking for the sister and can't find her anywhere, and calls out her name. And she says, yes, and she looks under the stall and can't see her feet. So she opens the door, and this cheerleading coach's sister is standing on the toilet eating a candy bar. (laughs) And looks at Sharon and says, don't tell Jenny Craig. (laughs) Don't tell Jenny Craig. (laughs) I was So that's one of those phrases that we use all the time. I'm in the Tebby house. Like if we're eating yeah. something we know we shouldn't, we'll look at each other and we'll go, don't yeah. tell Jenny Craig. Don't tell uh, Jenny Craig. But my question for you, you all is if you have one, one weakness when it comes to food, like the thing that you, you don't wish you ate and you wouldn't recommend anybody else eating. But if it's, if it's within 20 feet of you, you're vacuuming that right down the chute. Yeah. You're, you're shoving it in your gullet. Yeah. What is it? Christy, what is it for you? It's Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, and you guys, I'm yeah. celiac. I have celiac disease. I can't even have gluten. <laughs> <laughs> and so, still. Literally, literally in the last year, the two yeah. times that I like cheated and had wheat, had some sort of gluten, yeah. both times have been Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> Look. And listen, it is worth every stinking <laughs> right, bite. Yeah, yeah. I don't even, even care irrational. that the next yeah. 24 hours I'm going to be sick. Chrissy's like, oh, technically gosh. I'm not suicidal, but <laughs> Krispy Kremes may do me in. <laughs> oh my gosh. I yeah. wish I hated them, but I don't. Uh, yeah. Like the hot, do you, ha- you like, do you like them hot? Do you like yeah, them? like off the conveyor belt. Oh, like gosh. just just right in my, like melts in mm. your mouth. Oh yeah. So good. They are good. I, I do love a donut. And I love ice cream, so I've got a sweet tooth, um, and so oftentimes it's sweet things. Um, but I will say, I think the thing that sort of gets me, like I can say no to a donut if I'm like, I, I you know, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's not part of the plan today. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Um, but if you, if I'm at a Mexican restaurant and you put, and I decide ahead of time, I'm only going to eat my meal. I'm not going to have any chips. And you put a you put what? chips in front of me with salsa? Nobody does that, Ben. There's I this, do like, that? totally impossible. <laughs> I, well, I know. But I, I, have, I have high hopes for myself mm-hmm. every time. Oh, my goodness. I, you you know, are I can be a little idealistic about myself. And so I, but I, but I, it never works. It literally never works. You, they set the chips down, and I think, and I just have one or two, later. and then, yeah, I have three baskets of chips, and then the, and then the food comes, and I'm like, ah, I'm stuffed. <laughs> Can't do it. Yeah. Well, they're paid for, bag. you know. They come with the. They come with it, Ben. I know. Yeah, I think yeah. that might be part of it. But anyway, something about the crunchy, salty. Mm. Ugh, just love it, and yeah. it's right in front of me. And we're at a restaurant, so I can usually convince myself it's a special occasion. Yeah, <laughs> we're at a restaurant. Hey, it's like special. So, if yeah. you go to Michigan, they have mm-hmm. cherry salsa there, and oh, yeah. it is to die for. It is wow. super good. Cherry it's salsa. better than mango salsa. Better than yeah. Peach anyway. salsa. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Matt, what's your I'll thing? Look it up. Uh, it's cocaine. You know, 
I just shove. I tell it. myself I I'm going to quit, but I, I know see you're the supposed lines to snort it, the... but I I put it in the oven, get it nice and crispy. No, it's off the, off the conveyor belt. Right off the conveyor belt, drizzle some sugar on it. Um, <laughs> dip it in salsa. No, uh, for me it's popcorn. You guys, I oh, yeah. I will not even be hungry, and I if it's like hot oil popped popcorn, like movie I can kill. Popcorn. I can yeah. eat my weight in that stuff. Um, so good. And and I got into this habit of watching like a show with my son or my wife like after dinner, and I literally will not be hungry. But like, we'll be watching right. a show. I'll be sitting on the couch. I'll be like, time to eat some popcorn. Time to eat some popcorn, yeah. You know? It's like, this is how it goes, yeah. Because I sort of I sort of disassociate from my body as I walk over to the stove and cook it. <laughs> I'm just going to make this for the family, right, you right. know? Don't think for any thoughts. Family. Because that for the would be, family. For the family. And then, I'm being a good gonna, dad. I'm being a good dad. And then I crush the whole thing, and my daughter's like, Dad, did you save us any popcorn? <laughs> <sighs> Walk over and make some more. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Well, we are, we are, um, this is an intro to a podcast. I don't know if we, if you knew that, <laughs> you stumbled upon Welcome. like they, they, you ha- Christian you guilty confessions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, our problems yeah, with we're, food. We're, we're talking, um, this is Axiom 7 from our new book, Having the Mind of Christ. Um, we are, we're getting there through this series. This has been a lot of fun, Gino and uh, Christy, and uh, kind of helped Matt and I to mm-hmm. reflect on these axioms, how they work in our lives, the, the practical uh, implications of all these things. And so today's uh, axiom is that God's love always reckons with power. The freshest axiom, if you will, in, the, in terms of uh, its lifespan. Uh, Yep. Um, And uh, I think in our day and age uh, is important uh, for us to be thinking and talking about power, learning to see it, learning to navigate it, learning to navigate it in the way of Jesus, the way that the power of Jesus, which is love, power of God, which is love, but also navigating ungodly power in the way that it's exercised in our world today. So anyway, lots to learn, lots to grow into as it regards mm-hmm. this axiom. So yeah, it's one of my favorite axioms, honestly, Ooh. like I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but you kind of do. And, sure. um, I All recently had a church, the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recently had a church asked me to come preach cause they're using your book as like their mm-hmm. sermon series. Yeah. And, um, and they were like, do you have an axiom? That's like, you know, mm-hmm. that you really want to like kind of preach on that topic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I think I want to do the power one. <sighs> Nice, and um, so yeah, I'm excited. In October, if you're in if you're in Denver, Denver, come in October, visit me. Christy's preaching on power. Yep, <clears throat> that's okay. so cool. That is yeah. cool. Yeah, Way to yeah. Go. So I'm glad you added it. It's good. It's it's needed for me. Um, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Even five six years ago, I was really naming mm-hmm. what I'm naming now and what I see now. My yeah. eyes have been really opened, and so yeah. really grateful. And this has been so fun to dialogue and talk. And it has been. After today, we've got two more two more episodes um, uh, about the book, and then uh, we'll you know return to our regularly scheduled programming. We've already been recording actually some future interviews that we're I'm really excited about uh, sharing with you all uh, with people like KJ Ramsey and Joel Bowman and etc. There's a lot oh, of yeah. others. So oh yeah. Really so anyway, good. yep. Thanks for being uh, with us on this journey, listeners. Here's Axiom yep. Seven. Here right. we go. And we're back. Ben Sternke and I joined by Christy Penley and Gino Kirkurudo. Kirkurudo? Exactly. Sometimes, Gino, I practice your name in the shower to myself in my shave mirror, watching my lips. I have very thin lips, but I do watch them closely without my glasses on so they're blurry. But I practice saying your name, Kirkurudo. Did I get it right? Kirker. Yeah, I'm just Udo. really uncomfortable with that whole scene. I just got to be honest. What, me in the shower? That's, I can give you some more information. practicing my name with your thin lip. You have to know that I, that was the intention, Gino. Yes. I stare at myself yep. in the shave mirror, but I, I only see from like mid, mid pectoralis major up mm-hmm. in my shave mirror. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my uh, goodness, we need to move on. Move on, please. All right. All right. Well, we're talking about <laughs> today. <Thank> you, <laughs> I was trying to make it better for Gino. Uh, yeah. It was going there. But Gino, there's this there's a segment of time between I have segments of and I have to leave my conditioner in my hair for a bit before mm. I wash it out. Christy has asked us to And then I out. also put <laughs> shave stuff on my face before I shave and I have to let the conditioner Soften my whiskers because my whiskers right. are thick and bushy, unlike Paul Penley's wispy whiskers. <laughs> yes. Oh, my I've poor heard. husband. Um, and uh, and at that point, I just kind of look at myself and then I think I better practice this name because he's a friend mm. and I don't ever mm-hmm. want to mess it up and communicate that I don't care about him. I appreciate that. Thank you. We're talking about Axiom 7 today on the Gravity yep. Leadership Podcast. I'm going to edit all that out. We have gone through the first <laughs> six right. axioms uh, of our book. I'm, I'm guessing you've already listened to those uh, because it would be weird to start on the seventh uh, axiom of a series. Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to them. They're good. Mm. Yeah. Um, and today we're talking about the axiom that God's love always reckons with power. This axiom comes out of actually... Um, it's the newest axiom, and it it came to us like the other axioms came to us, which is um, us having to name things that either we couldn't see and then began to see, or when we were communicating with people or talking with people, we realized we were talking past each other because we had different paradigms. And so one of the things we talk about in the book is that Jesus is a man who operates with incredible power, right? As um, I'm not just speaking confessionally as the Son of God, but he's a man in a patriarchal, androcentric uh, culture 2,000 years ago, right? So men had capital and social clout that women and slaves and eunuchs and other people didn't have. Uh, he also, that, guy, that boy could preach, you know? Like he... You know, he could he he could teach, and he actually did miracles. We believe, um, and so he had a lot of power. But then he was also a, a Jewish person who lived in the Roman Empire under colonizing uh, imperial violence, and so he knows what it's like to be a colonized person. He knows what it's like to be a person from a very very poor part of uh, his community. So his family was poor. Um, his There were all kinds of rumors about his mom, his dad. And so he had low social standing and actually, you know, was made fun of. Um, not only where he was from, but uh, look ge- geographically, but, uh, you know, his lineage was uh, dubious or considered to be dubious. So Jesus had, uh, in some ways, carried a lot of social power and in some ways did not. And when we actually keep that, hold that in mind as we read the Gospels. We see Jesus um, doing something almost in every interaction, which is he's identifying or reckoning with who has the power, and two, what work is that power doing, and three, is it just? Is it just? Mm. And so this axiom, God's love always reckons with power, is a... is. Uh, about learning to see how power works, and then learning to, uh, as Cornell West says, um, justice is what love looks like in public, uh, which I think we see modeled in Jesus and something that we, if we're going to have his mind about us, uh, something we need to do is not only learn how to see power, but discern what work it's doing, and then um, in some cases redistribute, and in many cases redefine, and in most cases both. Mm-hmm. That, so uh, that's this chapter. Um, uh, fun, fun uh, end note to append upon this introduction is that uh, this chapter started out twice as long as it ended up in the book. Uh, there were just so many like biblical examples and stories and more information. I think this chapter had sixteen times the footnotes the of the rest of the book combined, uh, and we this really chapter. This chapter could be a book, honestly, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it needs to be talked about and discussed and processed. And so I I totally understand why yeah. you're going to have to edit it down for a chapter. But I think there's your next book idea, friends. Well, I think, yeah, we're going to write on love and we got to talk about power if we're going to talk about love. Um, yeah. Q, Huey Lewis in the news. 
Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Gino and Christy, maybe we'll start out with our um, our usual question here. How has this axiom proven true in your life, or where has where have you seen this to be true, and how has it been helpful? Yeah, um, I I think I first started to become aware of a need for s- some understanding, but that has become what you guys have put together in this axiom probably about 14, 15 years ago when I first moved into Philadelphia. And it was out of my own experience of my family and I with our our young kids at that time in the church that we were in previously, the environment that we're in where my practice was in the suburbs outside of Philly, we always um, had to say no to things because we were like the poorest people in that church. And so when we were invited into things and we always felt like in that setting we didn't have a lot of power financially we didn't have a lot of say so in a lot of things um not that and we we know we had more than other people but in that environment which was kind of our world we kind of felt like we were on the margins in in a way and moving into philadelphia into a neighborhood where we we felt like we went from being the people with the least amount of power and say so in things to among those who had the most and we couldn't we we started realizing like hey the, the where we are or the location of our lives has a lot to do with this and we need to start paying attention to this it was super disruptive and it was um just recognizing that we if we're just talking about economics um we had to figure out how we could help people where we could barely help ourselves because there were people that needed our help more than we um, could find it from other people because we were kind of all of a sudden the wealthier people in our neighborhood, which was just super odd. That's only one of the many aspects of power. Um, But to me, that started a journey for us to say, where are we not seeing this in other areas of our lives? Where, Where might we need to pay attention to this? Yeah, I think for me, it's It's shown up a lot in ministry, just as a woman in ministry. And to be honest, I don't think I could have named it. I don't think I was even aware of it until more recently. I mean, I had all these experiences. Like I've worked at different ministries and different churches, and and I had different experiences where I wasn't allowed to do certain things. I I actually wasn't allowed to teach 15-year-old boys in high school chapel at a school because there was a fear that there was an 18-year-old boy in that chapel, and that would be a man, and a woman couldn't teach a man. Mm. And so even though, I mean, stuff like that has been part of my story, and but I just kind of talked it up as like, oh, that's just what they believe, and I believe something different. And until mm. it got into my bones— and actually caused some real heart hurt. Um, and and I, I found some real freedom in just being able to name what I saw. That was my first step towards healing, was just to be able to call it what it was. And to call it what it was, misuse of power, is really hard for those who are in power over you to hear that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I see this. In ministry, I mean, I see it all over the place, kind of like what Gino's saying, but I saw that in my own life. Um, and then I think just honestly in the last two years, with all the racial bananas stuff that's happened in our country, yeah. my eyes have been opened to the power I have as a white person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and naming that as well has been yeah. part of my healing too. Yeah, that's really good, Christy. I think... I think it's significant what you said about your personal experience of hurt and being harmed uh, by something. I remember it was, this was years ago, and we were talking about um, we were talking about you know different theologies of women, you know, in terms of ordination and ministry, that kind of a thing. And um, it, like I think before before being able to see power uh, and be able to name it. Um, it just felt like a different, to me in any way, it just felt like different interpretations of Scripture, which it is different interpretations of Scripture, but it's not just a different interpretation right. of Scripture. The stakes are higher in terms yes. of who can participate, who can use their gifts, who can't. 
And there's also power dynamics going on where there, you know, it's not like everybody's equal in terms of their power. We just interpret this differently. Um, there are power dynamics happening when women are prohibited, you know, from, from doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is a, yeah, that's important to name and important to reckon with. Um, and so anyway, I just think it's significant too, that you, um, just bumping up against the hurt and the harm of being on the wrong side of power is, is what helps us see it. Right. And so this, you know, this axiom, I think as we were writing this uh, chapter, I think it's not lost on Matt and I that this is uh, probably a really important thing for especially white men in America, right, to to reckon with. Um, and But all of us have some degree of power, and all of us need to reckon with that, you know, in some ways. And so um, so just like Jesus, all of us are have somewhat sort of, I don't know, you could say intersectional identities, right, where you have some degree of power as a white person, but as a woman, you you bumped up against the wrong side of it. And then <laughs> it's hard not to see it when you hit the wrong side of it, right? Then you're right. like, oh, wow, this is not good. This doesn't feel good. This is not just. This is not okay. Um, and so that's, I think, you know, this chapter is filled with um, uh, examples of, of Matt and I learning from various marginalized communities, um, something that they've been able to see for a long time because they have to see it. And us learning to reckon with that as people mm-hmm. who are most of the time on the, uh, I don't know, not on the wrong side of power. I don't want to say the right side of power, but it's like power does, it's invisible to us and it works for us in invisible ways uh, more than we realize. Yeah. You know what? Matt actually asked me a question probably like five years ago. And he asked the question, what's your relationship with power? Mm. And I actually remember you asking that question because I didn't have an answer. And that mm. was just five years ago. Yeah. And and now when I ask that question, whether that's in cohorts or small groups or just with friends and people don't have an answer, it's like a light bulb goes off of like, oh, they haven't actually like paid attention. Their, their eyes aren't mm-hmm. open to this. They're not naming it. They're unaware mm-hmm. um, because they don't have an answer. So yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that question. And I appreciate your work for both of you on this because it's something I think that that needs to be talked about and reckoned with for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm thinking of a couple artifacts about this. I, have I told the story about the um, the article I read about the Me Too movement and the NZs and Sorry um, thing? Have I told you guys that story? You've, so you've definitely so. told us. me, but probably Remind not on the me. podcast. So and, uh, several years ago, NZs and Sorry um, had a date with a woman, and she wrote a she wrote a article about the date where basically he kept making passes at her over and over and over again. And um, later when she wrote this article, she basically was kind of uh, saying like, um, I felt sexually assaulted on this date, right? Um, And then another woman was writing about her experience, reading this woman's report of her date with Hensies and sorry. (laughs) And she was reflecting on her reaction to it. And her reaction to it was to essentially belittle this woman's allegations of like feeling sexually assaulted. And she said, the judgment I made on this woman's story was, well, that's just a bad date. You just had a bad date. And she said she realized that, that a, <laughs> this was her words, a bad date for a man is he doesn't, ha- he doesn't get sex. A bad date for a woman is she gets sexually assaulted and has to say no 12 or 13 times. Mm. And, and, and she was realizing like she's internalized that that is just okay. I just need to expect this as a woman mm-hmm. to not have agency or uh, autonomy in my body and to endure and just expect that I'm going to have to incur some damage or harm from a man not honoring my no. And she was like blown away at the amount of internalized kind of just like normalization of sexual assault. This is one of the ways that power works in our world, right? Yeah. Um, and she was like, in, she was in real time writing about vicariously waking up to how power works, Christy, which is what you were talking about. Mm. Um, 
and and I, that story, I was reminded of that story when you said, yeah, I experienced these things as a woman in ministry, but I didn't have a name for them. I couldn't name it. Right. And so it's, but it's everything to go from, I name this as a bad date, to I name this as sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Right. That's everything. Yeah. I think yeah. the other thing that I notice about that story Matt, and that something about power, the way the power works, that is difficult sometimes for people to see and understand, is that it's not always overt and explicit. So the power, you know, the the power of, um, you know, the the patriarchal power in that story um, was not, you know, like Aziz Ansari, I'm sure, didn't go on that date thinking, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Exert, ma- you know, male authority, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, but it, it's, a, it's a more subtle thing. It operates on the level of kind of culture. It's like invisible. It's just the air that we breathe. And I think your, your example of the woman sort of realizing that she has sort of inhaled this whole world where that's just a bad date. Like that's the definition of what just happened there. Like... That's the way that this power works. No, no one individual or group of people has has like secretly devised like the way that power is going to work, and then like uh, explicitly programmed it into interactions. And mm-hmm. so, I think this is I, it's, I think it's important to name because I think people that have are learning to see power or are on the side of like not really sure if they can see power, and if they have some power, I think it feels sometimes a little offensive to them. You know, to say like, oh, well, this, you know, you exerted power in this interaction in a way that, and and I think, I don't know, I think it, it makes it, for me, it makes it easier to repent, honestly, if I realize I'm caught up in a system here. This isn't like just one person's fault. And it's not anything that is trying to be done explicitly, yeah. but it does need to intentionally be repented of um, and backed away from. But it's helpful to realize that like... The we're just swimming in this water. This is a yeah. system we're caught up in, and, and that's that's part of the part of the new lens I think that we need to see through. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, and I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail, but just let me say this one thing: maybe that there are laws around sexual assault, right? Mm-hmm. It's clear with the law as to what's expected, but there are no laws around power dynamics. Yeah. In our culture, it's right. not clear. It's too gray. And so because there's not these clear-cut boundaries, it makes when, I'm going to say just as a woman, when I experience power dynamics at play, mm-hmm. I feel the pressure to, quote, unquote, be the good girl and just chalk it up of, oh, this is just the way men are, or this is just the way that ministries are, or this is, you know, and instead of actually naming it yeah. because... It's it feels like too like holding water in your hand. Yeah, and and you get in trouble for naming it, right? You like you go crosswise to the power structures, and you get gaslit. And again, yeah. like nobody's intending to most of the time, nobody's intending to do this. But just like the woman in that reading that article, like the th- the immediate thoughts that come to mind are: let's justify the system, let's keep it in place, the status mm-hmm. quo is fine. Like that, that's the move that keeps unjust power structures in place for all of us, even if we're on the wrong side of it. It's oftentimes easier to justify it um, so that we don't have to deal with the, the blowback of moving against it. Hi, I'm Mac from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and I've been through a Gravity Leadership Academy cohort. Here's the bottom line. If you want to be discipled and learn how to make disciples, then this is for you. I serve as a pastor, and GLA has had a huge impact on me and my leadership. Not only will you find tools and resources that are highly reproducible, but you'll be connected to a group of people seeking to center their lives in the love of Jesus. If you like the Gravity Leadership Podcast and the conversations taking place here, I think you'll love going deeper in a Gravity Leadership cohort. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. Like, Gino, I, I want to move on, but I want to return maybe later in this conversation to your experience 
being um, the most economically, um, the least economically advantaged in a in a community or system, and how that it took that to open your eyes to some of these things. I think yeah. there's something key in that, and I, and I, I want to maybe um, use that as a springboard to the next question of where 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 is um, where are you waking up to this axiom now? Or where is it most yeah. difficult for you right now to see, um, to know how to love because it's hard for you to see power? Gina, yeah. you want to start? I do. I think, I think the first thought that comes to mind is it's really hard for me to have um, ownership of things I'm not aware of. So that it kind yeah. of almost the question is, is, is like, troublesome not in a in a sense of like you shouldn't have asked that question but it just brings up for me that is where this is most difficult is that i did i know i have enough experience and 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 people that speak into my life that share their points of view on things and their experiences that i know i don't have awareness of many things and i just don't know what those things are one one thing maybe i could go back if it's if it's all right is um ben you had mentioned it really resonated with me that as white men we have a really um maybe more difficult time recognizing our power because it's just Mm -hmm. kind of the way in which we enter the world and assumed for us and so tying into my experience with that economic change was that was also the church where i experienced spiritual abuse and um that was Mm -hmm. a eye-opening to me as a white man that there were there were power powers at work because that wasn't just someone with a different theology and, but that was also someone who wasn't, didn't think they were trying to hurt people and they just had no awareness of how they used power. And that discrepancy, it, it affected me so much that it woke me up to it. So, mm-hmm. so now we enter into years later, 10 years later, a lot of what I, what I do and why I got involved in planting a church was because I had an awareness that there are, power dynamics in every relationship. And I wanted to be a part of seeking to expose those, to understand them. And so that that's this work at the table, Philly, a lot for me is just becoming more aware. It's the most difficult, challenging, um, upsetting (laughs) and discouraging, beautiful and joy filled work I could imagine doing because of how I started answering this question. I don't know what I don't know. And thankfully, I have people that are pointing this out. So there's, there's areas of people's experience as immigrants, um, race, uh, gender, sexuality, finances, um, and not just like income, but housing, historical redlining in our neighborhood, there, gun violence and where that occurs and with whom. And is this just an access to gun issues or this is historical poverty and all of those things. And the power that's used to just put people in jail, which doesn't help because they can't pay bail and they can't get out. We had a teenager who was wrongly accused and in prison for three years because he couldn't afford to get out of bail, uh, get bail. So we, you know, it's, it's, and that's, we have people in our church that work just on that, trying to work against the cash bail system and the injustices of that and the abuse of power. And so the more I dig into this, the, sometimes I say, like, I wonder if it would be okay to not be aware of everything because I might, you know, I might have less that keeps me up at night, but I know that's not true because I go back to my own experience of how painful it was to be abused um, and how amazing finding God meeting you in that process and the growing awareness that comes from that and how you can actually participate in some ways in healing, in redistribution of power, and in seeking justice. Um, that's really good work, but it's, it is, it's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I appreciate you sharing that, Gino. Um, one, of the, one of the pieces of feedback, I think this, this axiom is such a, um, as Matt said, it's, a, it's the newest one, and it's one that we really sort of were beginning to learn that we needed to name. Originally, this book was only going to have seven axioms, and so we actually mm-hmm. <laughs> we wrote a counterproposal <laughs> to the publisher, and we're like, hey, can we write another axiom? Um, and they graciously allowed us to change things up, and I'm glad they did because, um, anyway, this, this co- kind of reflects our bleeding-edge learning right now. 
Um, and because of that, I feel like it is very, it's a very practical axiom uh, for us. Um, but I remember um, realizing that we needed to root this axiom and all the like the action that it requires of us, we needed to root it in um, a, a sort of a gospel statement. We needed to root it in mm-hmm. something about God. All the other axioms are about God or about God's love or, you know, the, they're a truth that we're returning to, you know, to, in order to embrace a new paradigm. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's a long kind of roundabout way of saying, I appreciate you mentioning the good work that Reckoning with Power does, Gino, yeah. because yeah. it's not just like, uh, I don't know, like sometimes people uh, can mm-hmm. accuse, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but like, you know, this is just the latest fad, you know, everybody's talking about this yeah. and it's going to, it's going to pass. And, and the, the only reason people talk about it is because they want to like impress their, you know, uh, neighbors or their, their, their friends. They want to be cool online. Um, but what we're talking about is very real life stuff. And when we can actually stand in solidarity with those on the wrong side of power, those who've been marginalized by unjust power and work for justice, what we actually see is we, we do participate in God's love. That's part of what God's love is doing. And we're missing out if we don't yes. participate, you know, we're missing out on the healing that God wants to do in these situations. If we don't see it and recognize it and not like just, Hey, we've got to do something about this, but we recognize that, okay, God's at work here. God's at work among these people. God's at work in the midst of this. And this is where we're going to encounter the fullness of God's love. If we'll embrace this work, we'll actually encounter, we'll be blessed as well as we stand in solidarity with those uh, who've been mistreated. Yeah, Ben, I feel like, um, I'm not sure if how I said that sounded like Enneagram seven enough for me to point all that, all that pain. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking like, I'm being really stirred and encouraged because, you know, part of, part of my motivation is that I want to step into something I don't know how to do Yeah, bro. because I do believe that this is where Jesus is at work and he Mm -hmm. wants to see redemption in this. And there are people that are just crazy enough and maybe a little, optimistic to jump in and say, I don't want to miss watching the healing that I've seen in my own life happen in other people's lives. And so I go into things not knowing what the heck I'm doing and how the power is at work and people telling me, you know, Hey, you don't look like someone who's bringing good news into this neighborhood. (laughs) And that's what I learned. That's the side of learning. And on the other side, maybe in 10 years, we'll see more of that redemption and joy and I won't miss it. And that'll be good news to me. Yeah. Good. Good. (laughs) Well, can I just say to all three of you that you, I see this in you encouraging me in my life. And what I mean by that is all three of you, I have seen, God be at work in and through you in reckoning with power. And mm-hmm. and that comes through what you say on this podcast, but it also really comes through who you are off this podcast. <laughs> and to me, that is like really beautiful and really encouraging. And not only do you talk the talk, but you also have given, I'm I'm again, I'm only speaking to like gender issue here, but you've given me an opportunity in different settings, whether it's on this podcast or speaking engagements or whatever, and encourage me and giving me the platform, which is really putting feet to what you're saying. Mm. And so maybe I just want to name for our listeners, we have this opportunity. If we have the power, we have an opportunity then to give the platform, to share the power, to you know, to to actually yeah. make a difference in our actions by mm-hmm. the decisions that we make, the conversations that we have, the platforms we give other people. Um, and I just encourage you to do it. I mean, mm, because yes. it's really life-giving to the people on the other side, inc- yeah. including me. Yeah. Yeah. That, thanks for sharing that, Christy. I think that's, yeah. that's true. That's one of the, you know, one of the easiest and uh, best ways to get started with this. Cause we can't like, uh, it's easy to feel overwhelmed sometimes when you look at this stuff, like sure. all the problems you named, you know, earlier, Gino, like all these systemic yeah. issues that go back hundreds of years. There's policy decisions that we have nothing to do with really, you know. Um, so how do we, what do we do? What, uh, you know, where do we start? Um, but I think that is one great way to start is just to say, what kind of cultural power do I have as a parent of children, as a man or as a white person or as a, a person with some money whatever it might be, and how do I uh, give that away? How do I 
learn to um, recognize how that power works in my relationships and seek to uh, rectify, perhaps, um, unjust situations. And it can be a really small thing, you know? It can be learning to, you know, learning to raise up women in your church as leaders. I mean, this is something Matt and I write about in the book, and you hit all kinds of blind spots when you try to do that. Um, things you didn't realize uh, were true uh, until you do, and you know. But the only the only reason we learned those things is because we tried it. You know, we just tried mm-hmm. to, and, and we have some uh, some great women in our midst as well who uh, were kind enough to tell us the truth about <laughs> how we were impacting them. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe as we wind down here. Um, what questions did this chapter leave you with, or what are there areas where you feel like power is at work or in play that we don't cover that you think are worth exploring? I don't. I don't think that I that I thought of anything that you hadn't maybe addressed or at least left room to be addressed. I think the questions I have is how does someone reading this get started? You know, you, you, and, and that, and I know it's, if I believe if I recall correctly, it's even difficult. I think you name that it's difficult to give the examples of where you're working this out and it not be, you know, contextualized and also, or even come across strange. So, Mm. so I think, how do we help people move from having this energy that they want to see change to starting to see the first move? Like what is the next step? How do they discern? Gosh. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I see any of this unless I have true solidarity with powerless people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean charity. I don't mean proximity. Proximity is good. I mean, because you can keep power and be proximal. You can be the you can be the helper. You can be the expert. You can have the resources. You know, you can be the white savior. And I'm I'm talking more about like actual putting your body in a place yeah. of marginalization, mm-hmm. where your your destinies are bound up together. Yeah, where where you experience, you don't experience the privilege of your power, or you do, but to a greater degree, you experience the lack of privilege with others' powerlessness. Yeah, I, I don't. I guess there's like an empathetic existential learning, Gino. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was crucial for me. I think you can get some of that reading books, some of that maybe reading other people's stories. Mm-hmm. But um, nothing beats like real world experience there. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I would say the same in the sense of we just have to keep asking people and creating a space where they can be vulnerable and actually tell the truth. Because mm-hmm. uh, we could ask the question and create an environment where they can't tell the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think we have to come with a posture of I could be wrong. Yeah. And I need to learn. Yeah. And um and if we don't come with that kind of openness, um, I'm not sure we'll actually learn yeah. and there would there would be any transformation. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good, Christy. I think I I'm gonna combine that with Matt's comment as well then to say like as we seek solidarity with the marginalized, um, especially if we're coming from, say, the white, you know, as a as a white person, um, or or from a a non-marginalized community or from that aspect or standpoint, I think we have to be really careful. Um, we, we just have to be cautious of our colonial instincts that are sort of live in our bodies um, that, that may show up there or that, you know, as we seek solidarity, um, you know, with marginalized communities, you know, like marginalized communities might be super suspicious, suspicious of that at first. Be like, well, what's your angle here? What are you doing? What are you trying to, and so we have to come with some humility, I think, and come with some sense of, um, I really don't know what I'm doing, um, but I really sense Jesus calling me into this. And so like, will you help me like know what to do? Uh, you know, and so c- confessing our ignorance and asking, say, what, what, what would it look like in your mind, you know, for this t- to happen? Like, help me understand 
what would feel like solidarity to you. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's probably a reckoning that would need to happen because no, most of the time that's going to cost us something that our privilege affords us to, you know, mm. we can stay above the fray. You know, we, we, we don't get targeted, you know, in the same ways that marginalized communities do, but being in solidarity means that we, that we do get targeted. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's all kinds of examples of this, you know, throughout like U S history, for example, of people who stood with, you know, white people who stood with, uh, the black community and, you know, were, were punished for it, um, by other white people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's some, I mean, that's kind of an extreme example, but there's, there's always going to be some cost to you. And that is basically like, that's, that's helping you see your privilege. That's helping you see your power. And mm-hmm. that's the opportunity then for repentance to say, okay, I'm going to lay down this privilege, this power that I have in order to stand with this marginalized person uh, in solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Any any thoughts from you, Christy, on that? No, I agree. I agree. And I mm. think, um, I mean, I just, I want it to be different. Yeah. I want it to be different in all of those ways we talked about. Yeah. And, um, there's a grieving, truly. The more my eyes are opened mm. to reality, yeah. There's a gr- there's a grief that comes. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's important to say that that um, all of us can bear witness to the fact that this is not something that we grew up with an intimate knowledge of. No. That we've had to we've had to develop and grow, mm-hmm. and even gain the capacity to see how power works. Um, and so if you're listening and this is hard for you or you're not even sure what to think about it all, I just want to encourage you that um, I think we've all been there, either yeah. either not even knowing what we don't know or being skeptical that this is even something to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to commend this, this chapter in the book where we really tether this to the life and teaching of Jesus. Yep. Um, this... this I think our culture cares a lot about this right now, and I think that's a reflection of God's heart. Um, and and just because the culture cares about something doesn't mean it's legitimate or illegitimate. Uh, but but if if you have any anxiety or you know someone with anxiety about that, is this just a fad or a trend? Like Ben said earlier, I, I just I heartily recommend, um, encourage you to check out this chapter in the book where we mm-hmm. where we talk about how Jesus operates with this awareness this mm. this empathetic intelligence about how power is working and that uh we can't love with wisdom if we can't see power yeah. you know yeah and i wonder if even the, there's questions that you guys put at the end of the chapter um reckoning with your power and yeah. i just encourage people to not just read those and answer them on their own but to answer them in community, because I think that's where real work can be done and real learning can happen. Yeah. Yep. Great. Well. Good word. Thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah. Lovely to be with you all. It's great. Well, uh, we're, we're winded now, guys. Just two more episodes. we got Axiom 8 and then the conclusion of this book. And uh, Quick, and write a new book so yeah, we can keep talking. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we have to yeah. get a proposal out first. It's not quite how oh. it works, Gino. They do happen quickly. It doesn't quickly. work that way. Yeah, so yeah. We just lock ourselves in the basement and write until the it's book's Wait, this isn't, feel- this isn't just a blog that gets printed and bound? <laughs> <laughs> you guys do work on this? What? I, sorry. I'm yeah, new to this. Sorry. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, you, don't, yeah you don't realize, but it's true. Um, all right. Well, we'll see you all next time. Hey. Yeah. Peace. Thanks for being with us. Peace. Hey, everybody. It's Ben. Uh, I need to go work out. It's kind of on my calendar. I've been getting back into working out. Uh, But first, I need to record this quick outro to our podcast series. Um, I hope you're enjoying this uh, as much as we are. Um, You can order Having the Mind of Christ, which is our new book. It is now out. It is available everywhere books are sold, etc. It is eight axioms that name paradigm shifts that can help us reconstruct a more resilient and robust faith from the rubble of the deconstructive, the the important necessary uh, work of deconstruction. So you can order the book now, um, anywhere books are sold. 
Um, if you would like, please leave us an Amazon review that helps uh, get the word out about the book and helps uh, the algorithms, the secret, uh, mysterious, arcane um, algorithms to uh, recommend the book to others and hopefully uh, others will find it. Um, if you do want to, it's kind of, you know, our book launch team, um, you're still a, actually, if you want to, you can join it. Um, we've kind of done most of the work of the book launch team, but we are still asking people to share about the book. Uh, you can go to gravityleadership.com slash launch. Uh, And the other thing, the other cool thing about the launch team is that we are um, designing some cool um, different products, some swag, if you will, that uh, we're going to offer to the book launch team at a pretty steep discount. And so if you'd like access to some of that stuff, um, we're developing it now. Uh, You can join the team, gravityleadership.com slash launch. Um, Oh, also, if you order the book from IVP's website, there's a link in the show notes. Um, or you can just search it up. Uh, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping by using the code GRAVITY, G-R-A-V-I-T-Y. Um, if you would like to leave us a message or ask a question, you can go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button. It actually is pretty cool. It just leaves us a little voice message and we can either reply to you with a voice message. It'll come into your email inbox or uh, we may play it and uh, on a future episode and answer uh, the questions on a future episode. So avail yourself of all of that, listeners, uh, and we'll see you next week for Axiom 8. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful or enjoyable, we'd love it if you'd tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can join our Gravity community online for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as our email most Fridays with curated links to articles we find interesting and helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our podcast is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the show. You can check out his work at AaronSternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.